Section 15 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by M.L. Cohen, Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 4 by Henry Gray. The Forebrain, Part 3. Temporal Lobe, Lobus Temporalis. The temporal lobe presents superior, lateral, and inferior surfaces. The superior surface forms the lower limit of the lateral fissure and overlaps the insula. On opening out the lateral fissure, three or four gyri will be seen springing from the depths of the hinder end of the fissure and running obliquely forward and outward on the posterior part of the upper surface of the superior temporal gyrus. These are named the transverse temporal gyri. Heschel. The lateral surface is bounded above by the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure and by the imaginary line continued backward from it. Below, it is limited by the inferior lateral border of the hemisphere. It is divided into superior, middle, and inferior gyri by the superior and middle temporal sulci. The superior temporal sulcus runs from before backwards across the temporal lobe and some little distance below, but parallel with the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure and hence it is often termed the parallel sulcus. The middle temporal sulcus takes the same direction as the superior, but is situated at a lower level and is usually subdivided into two or more parts. The superior temporal gyrus lies between the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure and the superior temporal sulcus and is continuous behind with the supermarginal and angular gyri. The middle temporal gyrus is placed between the superior and middle temporal sulci and is joined posteriorly with the angular gyrus. The inferior temporal gyrus is placed below the middle temporal sulcus and is connected behind with the inferior occipital gyrus. It also extends around the inferior lateral border onto the inferior surface of the temporal lobe, where it is limited by the inferior sulcus. The inferior surface is concave and is continuous posteriorly with the tentorial surface of the occipital lobe. It is traversed by the inferior temporal sulcus, which extends from near the occipital pole behind to within a short distance of the temporal pole in front, but is frequently subdivided by bridging gyri. Lateral to this fissure is the narrow tentorial part of the inferior temporal gyrus, and medial to it the fusiform gyrus, which extends from the occipital to the temporal pole. This gyrus is limited medially by the collateral fissure, which separates it from the lingual gyrus behind and from the hippocampal gyrus in front. The insula, island of Ryle's central lobe, lies deeply in the lateral ossivulin fissure and can only be seen when the lips of that fissure are widely separated, since it is overlapped and hidden by the gyri which bound the fissure. These gyri are termed the opercula of the insula. They are separated from each other by the three rami of the lateral fissure and are named the orbital frontal frontotemporal, and temporal operculum. The orbital operculum lies below the anterior horizontal ramus of the fissure, the frontal between this and the anterior ascending ramus, the parietal between the anterior ascending ramus and the upturned end of the posterior ramus, and the temporal below the posterior ramus. The frontal operculum is of small size in those cases where the anterior horizontal and ascending rami of the lateral fissures arise from a common stem. The insula is surrounded by a deep circular sulcus which separates it from the frontal, parietal, and temporal lobes. When the opercula have been removed, the insula is seen as a triangular eminence, the apex of which is directed toward the anterior perforated substance. It is divided into a larger anterior 
and a smaller posterior part by a deep sulcus which runs backward and upward from the apex of the insula. The anterior part is subdivided by a shallow sulci into three or four short gyri, while the posterior part is formed by one long gyrus, which is often bifurcated at its upper end. The cortical gray substance of the insula is continuous with that of the different opercula, while its deep surface corresponds with the lentiform nucleus of the corpus striatum. Limbic lobe. The term limbic lobe was introduced by Broca, and under it he included the cingulate and hippocampal gyri, which together arch around the corpus callosum in the hippocampal fissure. These he separated on the morphological ground that they are well-developed in animals possessing a keen sense of smell, osmotic animals, such as the dog and the fox. They were thus regarded as part of the rhinencephalon, but it is now recognized that they belong to the neopallium. The cingulate gyrus is therefore sometimes described as part of the frontal lobe and the hippocampal as part of the temporal lobe. The cingulate gyrus, gyrus cinguli, colossal convolution, is an arch-shaped convolution lying in close relation to the superior surface of the corpus callosum from which it is separated by a slit-like fissure, the colossal fissure. It commences below the rostrum of the corpus callosum, curves around in front of the genu, extends along the upper surface of the body, and finally turns downward behind the splenium, where it is connected by a narrow isthmus with the hippocampal gyrus. It is separated from the medial part of the superior frontal gyrus by the cingulate sulcus, and from the precuneus by the subparietal sulcus. The hippocampal gyrus, gyrus hippocampi, is bounded above by the hippocampal fissure and below by the anterior part of the collateral fissure. Behind, it is continuous superiorly through the isthmus with the cingulate gyri and inferiorly with the lingual gyrus. Running in the substance of the cingulate and hippocampal gyri and connecting them together is a tract of arched fibers named the cingulum. The anterior extremity of the hippocampal gyrus is recurved in the form of a hook, uncus, which is separated from the apex of the temporal lobe by a slight fissure, the incisura semporalis. Although superficially continuous with the hippocampal gyrus, the uncus forms morphologically a part of the rhinencephalon. The hippocampal fissure, fissura hippocampi, dentate fissure, begins immediately behind the splenium of the corpus callosum and runs forward between the hippocampal and dentate gyri to end in the uncus. It is a complete fissure and gives rise to the prominence of the hippocampus in the inferior cornu of the lateral ventricle. Rhinencephalon. The rhinencephalon comprises the olfactory lobe, the uncus, the subcolossal and supercolossal gyri, the fascia dentata hippocampus, the septum pellucidum, the fornix, and the hippocampus. 1. The olfactory lobe, lobus olfactorius, is situated under the inferior or orbital surface of the frontal lobe. In many vertebrates, it constitutes a well-marked portion of the hemisphere and contains an extension of the lateral ventricle. But in man, and some other mammals, it is rudimentary. It consists of the olfactory bulb and tract, the olfactory trigone, the paraolfactory area of Broca, and the anterior perforated substance. A. The olfactory bulb, Bulbus olfactorius, is an oval reddish-gray mass which rests on the cribriform plate of the ethmoid and forms the anterior expanded extremity of the olfactory tract. Its undersurface receives the olfactory nerves which pass upward through the cribriform plate from the olfactory region of the nasal cavity. Its minute structure is described later. B. The olfactory tract, tractus olfactorius, 
is a narrow white band triangular on coronal section, the apex being directed upward. It lies in the olfactory sulcus on the inferior surface of the frontal lobe and divides posteriorly into two striae, a medial and a lateral. The lateral stria is directed across the lateral part of the anterior perforated substance and then bends abruptly medialward towards the uncus of the hippocampal gyrus. The medial stria turns medialward behind the pallor olfactory area and ends in the subcolossal gyrus. In some cases, a small intermediate stria is seen running backward to the anterior perforated substance. C. The olfactory trigone. Trigonum olfactorium is a small triangular area in front of the anterior perforated substance. Its apex, directed forward, occupies the posterior part of the olfactory sulcus and is brought into view by throwing back the olfactory tract. D. The paraolfactory area of Broca. Area paraolfactoria is a small triangular field on the medial surface of the hemisphere in front of the subcolossal gyrus, from which it is separated by the posterior paraolfactory sulcus. It is continuous below with the olfactory trigone and above and in front with the cingulate gyrus. It is limited anteriorly by the anterior paraolfactory sulcus. E. The anterior perforated substance. Substantia perforata anterior is an irregularly quadrilateral area in front of the optic tract and behind the olfactory trigone, from which it is separated by the fissure primia. Medially and in front, it is continuous with the subcolossal gyrus. Laterally, it is bounded by the lateral stria of the olfactory tract and is continued into the uncus. Its gray substance is confluent above with that of the corpus striatum and is perforated anteriorly by numerous small blood vessels. 2. The uncus has already been described as the recurved, hook-like portion of the hippocampal gyrus. 3. The subcolossal, supercolossal, and dentate gyri form a rudimentary arch-shaped lamina of gray substance extending over the corpus callosum and above the hippocampal gyrus from the anterior perforated substance to the uncus. A. The subcolossal gyrus. Gyrus subcolosis, pedicone of the corpus callosum, is a narrow lamina on the medial surface of the hemisphere in front of the lamina terminalis, behind the paraolfactory area, and below the rostrum of the corpus callosum. It is continuous around the genu of the corpus callosum with the supercolossal gyrus. B. The supercolossal gyrus. Indusium grisium, gyrus epicolosis, consists of a thin layer of gray substance in contact with the upper surface of the corpus callosum and continuously laterally with the gray substance of the cingulate gyrus. It contains two longitudinally directed strands of fibers termed respectively the medial and lateral longitudinal striae. The supercolossal gyrus is prolonged around the splenium of the corpus callosum as a delicate lamina, the fasciola cinerea, which is continuous below with the fascia dentata hippocampi. C. The fascia dentata hippocampi gyrus dentatus, is a narrow band extending downward and forward above the hippocampal gyrus, but separated from it by the hippocampal fissure. Its free margin is notched and overlapped by the fimbria, the fimbriodentate fissure, intervening. Anteriorly, it is continued into the notch of the uncus, where it forms a sharp bend and is then prolonged as a delicate band, the band of Giacomini, over the uncus on the lateral surface of which it is lost. The remaining parts of the rhinencephalon, that is the septum pellucidum, fornix, and hippocampus, will be described in connection with the lateral ventricle. Interior of the cerebral hemispheres. If the upper part of either hemisphere be removed at a level about 1.25 centimeters above the corpus callosum, the central white substance will be exposed as an oval-shaped area, the centrum ovale minus, 
surrounded by a narrow convoluted margin of gray substance and studded with numerous minute red dots, puncta vasculosa, produced by the escape of blood from divided blood vessels. If the remaining portion of the hemisphere will be slightly drawn apart, a broad band of white substance, the corpus callosum will be observed connecting them at the bottom of the longitudinal fissure. The margins of the hemispheres which overlap the corpus callosum are called the labia cerebri. Each labrum is part of the cingulate gyrus already described, and the slit-like interval between it and the upper surface of the corpus callosum is termed a callosal fissure. If the hemispheres be sliced off to a level with the upper surface of the corpus callosum, the white substance of that structure will be seen connecting the two hemispheres. The large expanse of medullary matter now exposed, surrounded by a convoluted margin of gray substance, is called the centrum ovale magus. The corpus callosum is the great transverse commissure which unites the cerebral hemispheres and roofs the lateral ventricles. A good conception of position and size is obtained by examining a medial sagittal section of the brain. When it is seen to form an arch-straight structure about 10 centimeters long, its anterior end is about 4 centimeters from the frontal pole, and its posterior end about 6 centimeters from the occipital pole of the hemisphere. The anterior end is named a genu and is bent downward and backward in front of the septum pellucidum. Diminishing rapidly in thickness, it is prolonged backwards under the name of the rostrum, which is connected below with the lamina terminalis. The anterior cerebral arteries are in contact with the undersurface of the rostrum. They then arch over the front of the genu and are carried backwards above the body of the corpus callosum. The posterior end is termed a splenium and constitutes the thickest part of the corpus callosum. It overlays the telocoridea of the third ventricle and the midbrain and ends in a thick convex free border. A sagittal section of the splenium shows that the posterior end of the corpus callosum is actually bent forward, the upper and lower parts being applied to each other. The superior surface is convex from before backward and is about 2.5 centimeters wide. Its medial part forms the bottom of the longitudinal fissure and is in contact posteriorly with the lower border of the Fox cerebri. Laterally, it is overlapped by the cingulate gyrus, but is separated from it by the slit-like callosal fissure. It is traversed by numerous transverse ridges and furrows and is covered by a thin layer of gray matter, the supracallosal gyrus, which exhibits on either side of the middle line the medial and lateral longitudinal striae already described. The inferior surface is concave and forms on either side of the middle line of the roof of the lateral ventricle. Medially, this surface is attached in front to the septum pellucidum. Behind this, it is fused with the upper surface of the body of the fornix, while the splenium is in contact with the telocoridea. On either side, the fibers of the corpus callosum radiate in the white substance and pass to the various parts of the cerebral cortex. Those curving forward from the genu to the frontal lobe constitute the forceps anterior, and those curving backward into the occipital lobe, the forceps posterior. Between these two parts is the main body of the fibers which constitute the tapetum and extends laterally on either side into the temporal lobe and cover in the central part of the lateral ventricle. The lateral ventricles. Ventriculus lateralis. The two lateral ventricles are irregular cavities situated in the lower medial parts of the cerebral hemisphere, one on either side of the middle line. They are separated from each other by a median vertical partition, the septum pellucidum, but communicate with the third ventricle and indirectly with each other through the interventricular foramen. They are lined by a thin diaphanous membrane, the ependema, covered by ciliated epithelium and contains cerebrospinal fluid, which, even in health, may be secreted in considerable amount. 
Each lateral ventricle consists of a central part or body and three prolongations from it termed cornua. The central part, paracentralis ventricular lateralis, cella, of the lateral ventricle extends from the interventricular foramen to the splenium of the corpus callosum. It is an irregularly curved cavity, triangular on transverse section, with a roof, a floor, and a medial wall. The roof is formed by the undersurface of the corpus callosum, the floor by the following parts enumerated in order of their position from before backward, the caudate nucleus of the corpus striatum, the stria terminalis, and the terminal vein, the lateral portion of the upper surface of the thalamus, the choroid plexus, and the lateral part of the fornix. The medial wall is the posterior part of the septum pellucidum, which separates it from the opposite ventricle. The anterior cornu, cornu anterius, anterior horn precornu, passes forward and lateralward with a slight inclination downward from the interventricular foramen into the frontal lobe, curving around the anterior end of the caudate nucleus. Its floor is formed by the upper surface of the reflected portion of the corpus callosum, the rostrum. It is bounded medially by the anterior portion of the septum pellucidum and laterally by the head of the caudate nucleus. Its apex reaches the posterior surface of the genu of the corpus callosum. The posterior cornu, cornu posterius postcornu, passes into the occipital lobe, its direction being backward and lateralward and then medialward. Its roof is formed by the fibers of the corpus callosum passing to the temporal and occipital lobes. On its medial wall is a longitudinal eminence, the calcar avris, hippocampus minor, which is an involution of the ventricular wall produced by the calcarine fissure. Above this, the forceps posterior of the corpus callosum sweeping around to enter the occipital lobe causes another projection, termed the bulb of the posterior cornu. The calcar avis and bulb of the posterior cornu are extremely variable in their degree of development. In some cases, they are ill-defined, in others, prominent. The inferior cornu, cornu inferior, descending horn, middle horn, medial cornu, is the largest of the three, transverses the temporal lobe of the brain, forming in its course a curve around and posterior end of the thalamus. It passes at first backward, lateral world, and downward, and then curves forward to within 2.5 centimeters of the apex of the temporal lobe, its direction being fairly well indicated on the surface of the brain by that of the superior temporal sulcus. Its roof is formed chiefly by the inferior surface of the tapetum of the corpus callosum, but the tail of the caudate nucleus and the stria terminalis also extend forward in the roof of the inferior cornu to its extremity, where they end in a massive gray substance, the nucleus amygdalae. Its floor presents the following parts, the hippocampus, the fimbria hippocampi, the collateral eminence, and the choroid plexus. When the choroid plexus is removed, a cleft-like opening is left along the medial wall of the inferior cornu, this cleft constitutes the lower part of the choroidal fissure. End of section 15.